Breaking It Down with Frank McKay. This is 1039 LI News Radio. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here, but much more importantly, a woman with a five active range, just amazing work over the years. Not only is she a wonderful vocalist, but a visual artist and a fantastic painter. You know her work from Renaissance, Annie Haslam. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, listen, congratulations. You know, I I feel like the first thing I should say to you out of the box is congratulations on on stringing a career together that just uh, is is in your field, uh, progressive rock. It's uh, it's second to none. I mean, so few women get involved with progressive rock and and, you know, to to succeed all of these years uh, in that field is just amazing. Yeah, I well, I think the music is timeless, and um, of course we got Keith Ralph and, and Jim McCarthy, and um, the 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 first Renaissance to to thank for otherwise I wouldn't be here, you know, because uh, they started it off, you know, Jim and and Keith were from the Yardbirds, and and they they brought something you know that was very different, and of course we kind of changed it around a little bit, uh, you know, to a different kind of classical feel but they were the ones who started it and and it's it's just amazing the music is timeless there's nothing like it you know there's some bands like that and and, and it just the music goes on forever that it doesn't it doesn't date you know well no question and to say the least you you did something different than than Keith and Jim did with it but let's you know let's look back on on what uh Keith and Jim coming from the Yardbirds did i mean it was a huge leap to, to leave it, that fan base behind and, and go for something, uh, you know, it was a courageous move, actually. It, yeah, well, yeah, they were pioneers, weren't they, really? Um, yeah, I, I, the story was that um, I think that um, they'd been on, you know, the, the, the Yardbirds um, that folded, and um, instead of really taking a, a good break from it, because they'd been working for so long and so hard, I, I think it was only about six months before they started Renaissance and uh, or Renaissance, as, as we say in England. Um, and um, after about, I think they were they had it together for about six months as well. And uh, I think they were just, you know, they were tired again of being on the road, and um, and that's when it started to change. You know, when I joined the band, it was it's a six-piece band. And uh, um, and they, they they didn't want to lead female singer. They, I was basically a backing singer uh, because there was another guy in the band at that time, which completely changed from the original uh, Renaissance. Um, there was a lead singer called Terry Crow, and uh, everybody was different except John Tatt and Michael Dunford were in the band. Mm. And when I went to the audition on um, when was it New Year's Eve in 1970. Um, I got there, uh, it was a little church hall in, in Weybridge, I think it was, and um, Keith and Jim were there at the, my audition, and um, I learned, when I found out it was Renaissance, I just I learned every single song on the album, and, and, the, and the song that they asked me to sing was Island, and, um, and that's, I got the job because I, I knew it so well, and it, it was perfect for my voice. Uh, we've never, never performed that on stage, and but we're we're doing um, uh, a, a tour in the fall, and four of the shows will be with a ten-piece chamber orchestra. Wow! Uh, yeah, and we're going to be doing Island. We're writing some string parts for Island, and we're going to do that song that got me the job. 
How cool is that? I mean, yeah, you know, it's kind of coming round full circle, really. You know, I've, I've had a lot of dreams come true recently, and I've been very fortunate. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I uh, it's I can't believe I'm still doing it. Actually, <laughs> um, I um, we just got back from a very successful tour of Brazil, and that was oh my god, it was just so. Amazing for all, for all the band. The band now, the band now is just uh, phenomenal, and uh, it was the people, the, the audience had been waiting for like over forty years to hear the music live, and they were crying, and it was like, oh my god, it was so emotional, especially in Rio de Janeiro. Um, it was like I thought I was going to start crying and sobbing because people. I thought the roof was going to come off the building. It was like two thousand people. In, in a, a fabulous club called um, um, Vivo Rio, and a famous place in Rio de Janeiro, and they just, they just, it was like amazing. It was so loud, I could, I, I could barely breathe. We were all like Whoa! gasping at the end of the first song because it was just people was in such a, um, an amazing, you know, it's it just showing their appreciation. It was like you could feel it. So it was so strong. Then in Mother Russia, in Mother Russia, a cat ran across the stage. Oh. <laughs> it was yeah, but it was an amazing tour. It was just amazing, amazing, amazing. Well, it's got to be it's got to be surreal at times. Let me remind folks who are just tuning in or turning on their radios. Frank McKay here, but much more importantly, Annie Haslam is uh, the vocalist uh, still of Renaissance, and still after all these years. I'm making you sound ancient. You're, you aren't, but you've been around for a long time for a young gal. I gotta say yeah. that, and uh, <laughs> it's just uh, what a what an amazing run uh, to keep things together this long. And and progressive yeah. rock was never the same once you came there. And uh, again, Frank McKay with Annie Haslam. I, you mentioned earlier that so many things have have come true for you, or so many dreams have come true for you recently. Uh, did yes. you touch on all of them, or is there anything that you uh, you left? Oh out? well, one one really very big one was when I was uh, my mother's um, sister uh, Joan, Auntie Joan and Uncle Eric, who lived in Buxton in Derbyshire, and their their kids, uh, um, Jill, Brian, and Jeffrey were all in light opera. And they, uh, they, at the Buxton Opera House, which is the, it, it, um, it's nestled in the Derbyshire Dales in, 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 in the middle of England. Just a gorgeous, gorgeous place. Used to go there on my holidays and my Auntie Joan had a, um, a wool shop and she, wool for knitting, you know. And I used to go there on my holiday, school holidays and go stay with them and, and help her in the shop and, uh, just remember the, the, the beauty, uh, the beautiful, um, architecture in Buxton and, um, go, going to see them, uh, I got to see them in um, Gilbert and Sullivan's light operas. They did uh, the Mikado, and they did Roddy Gore and the Pirates of Penzance. And I, I used to always get a seat in the box, um, one of the boxes, I, the boxes either side. And it's a gorgeous opera house, and it's well attended, and it's it's very popular now. There's things going on all the time. And when we did the light, we did a tour in 2015 in England, but in 2016 um, we we had a, we got a show at the Buxton Opera House. Wow! And I got to sing there. See, that's that's got to be amazing. Oh gosh, it was. It, it, it's not really that. <coughs> you know, those kind of venues are uh, were built for um, acoustic voices and not for uh, electronic devices and speakers and things. So. 
um, the sound uh, could, could have been a little bit better. It's not nobody's fault. It's just the way that the buildings in those days were were, were made, you know. And but um, it was a great show, and I got to sit in the box. I think on my Facebook page there's um, uh, there's a picture of me sitting in the box. Um, it was just incredible feeling, you know, to to my dream come true. I mean, that's and I I, I didn't realize at that time. I mean, I was you know in awe of of watching them on stage, uh, and but I didn't know why. I didn't know why what it, it what it was really doing to me because I was so young. But I knew it was doing something, but I couldn't put my finger on it because I was too young, you know. But I knew that it it was special and it meant something, and of course it did because. You know, I ended up singing there. <laughs> well, you're hearing the speaking voice of Annie Haslam, Frank McKay, here. Uh, to hear her singing voice is, is a much different experience. And uh, look, if you don't know the wonderful work that she's done, look up Renaissance. And since 1970, uh, she is, uh, she's been doing it uh, with uh, Renaissance. And go back, if you would, and if you, if you don't mind, think about everything that's happened since 1970. It, is it compartmentalized, uh, or does it look like one big run, one big progression, or does it seem like uh, like it's chopped up into different time periods? Well, I I think it's uh, because we did have a break and there were you know several changes and uh, in the band, so I wouldn't say it was like one smooth uh, ride, you know, right, like of course you, not, but in general, you know, but, yeah. Um, but uh, you know, yeah, there was quite a few personnel changes e- even before we came to uh, came to John Camp, John Town, Terry Sullivan, Michael Dunford, and myself. You know that there was several changes before then, and um, from '73, from Ashes of Burning, that's when um, you know the the main uh, the main. Uh, gosh, I, can't, I I'm amazed actually. I've been been with the band now longer than that that band was. Uh, you know, existed, you know, I don't mean existed, but I mean, that you know, the five of us together that, you know, did Carnegie Hall and were the, were the most popular at that time. Um, and, uh, you know, yeah, we did it. We did a lot. We we played at, at Carnegie Hall. I mean, I was in the band only four years um, before we were playing at Carnegie Hall. Actually, let me see. I joined in 1971, New Year's, New Year's Day, 1971. And, um, the show in Carnegie Hall was, um, I believe, let me think about this, um, uh, gosh, that was in 1976 or 77, gosh, I can't remember. I know that the Albert Hall, I mean, the Carnegie Hall was just, oh, God, that was just three nights sold out and, uh, gosh, something I'll never forget. You know, so many incredible things that we've done. Uh, and then we played at the Albert Hall with the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra and the Royal Choral Society. That was I know that was 1977. Um, when, yeah. you, when you play something like the Al- Albert Hall, is there just automatically royalty there, or is that just something? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I did I did have a touch with somebody that I would I would say deserved to be royal, uh, um, who was. Um, he was the governor of Windsor Castle, and he was called Sir Patrick Palmer. You can look him up, and it was a very famous man. He was an admiral, and he was second to the Queen in command of Castle, Windsor Castle. And I was um, I was approached because um, I had a friend who worked at, at um, 
uh, St. George's Chapel uh, offices and uh, they were trying to raise funds which really kind of amazes me that they would have to raise funds uh, for the the, the 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 choir, St. George's Chapel Choir. They needed to extend their um, facility for those boys. I mean, have you ever heard the choir singing? It's, it will make you weep, you know. And it's a it's a choir that's been going on for many years. Um, which I but I, I I never quite understood why they would have to raise funds. They had the Queen's picture on the uh, you know that she was involved in it and everything. Gave a blessing. And she's the richest woman in the world now. I don't understand why she wouldn't have done. I just don't get it. You know, well, I do not get it. It it's like. Not right. Anyway, well, the m- thing maybe is, they're raising funds to give to the homeless people surrounding the hall. No, <laughs> not at all. No, uh, this was for the. I know. No, this is for the school to to build this thing for the school, and so I was involved in that. They asked me if I could uh, uh, help organize a concert um, to raise funds. So I I met with another somebody else <coughs> and had a meeting with um, Sir Patrick Palmer and. Um, in the end, anyway, it, it did not happen because somebody, I, I, I don't want to go into it, but it, it, I guess it, it, in the end it all has to do with karma and timing and the way things are dealt with, you know. Um, but what came from it for me was this friendship with uh, Sir Patrick Palmer and his beautiful wife is called Lady Joanna. And um, when this was going on, he invited myself and my friend Judith, who worked at the castle, um, for lunch in the Norman Tower. And the Norman Tower is, is very famous. Um, it's, and, um, he, that's where he lived. He was the admiral and um, governor of the castle. And we had lunch in this amazing building. The queen used to visit and have tea when she was there. And part of the part of the Norman Tower had this uh, staircase that went up, and it was like a, a spiral staircase almost. And it was uh, cells where they used to hold prisoners, like the the royalists. They used to have them pri- in prison there. And as you walked up, it was like, ooh, it was so eerie. And there, where they lived in the other part of the tower, which was right by it, and you'd walk in this like really old gateway, and and that's. That where the houses, you know, that's where their accommodation was, which was just gorgeous. But I did try on a piece of armor, oh. and and I, I I can almost still feel it, and it fit me. It was a man's armor. It was a, an arm piece, and it fit me. So it just shows. Uh, back then, uh, people were a bit smaller. Yeah, but oh, there's no yeah. doubt. They've yeah. proven that. Yeah. And then then we went in and had lunch, and and we had a, a butler came and. And we, it was served, you know, all this cutlery on the table was silver. And I thought, oh, God, which national fork do I use here? <laughs> <laughs> and they knew I was a vegetarian, so they had vegetarian food for me. And um, I it was, I felt like I was blessed, you know. It was, like, so unbelievable to be uh, in this part of the castle and see it in films and, you know. and But after that, because it, it, it fell apart, um, Sir Patrick carried on writing to me, like he was like a pen pal. It was wonderful, and uh, and he and he wrote to me when he was he 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 got cancer and he had to leave his post at the castle, and he carried on writing to me when when he was leaving when they were about to leave and uh, and then he got cancer and 
it's funny, I was reading his last letter to me the other day and it always makes me cry because he was such a lovely man, you know. And I think he, he liked me because I was so real. I mean, you know what I mean? Like a, a, an outsider that he could talk to, you know, that I was very natural with and didn't want anything from him. And um, and then apparently his wife wrote to me after that, Joanna, to tell me that um, where he died and um, that they were playing some of his favorite music and one of the albums he was playing, which was I sent him all my music, was a, a, an album called Blessing in Disguise. Mm. And she said that was playing when he was, uh, you know, on his last last days. Wow. So that was, that made me cry as well, yeah. you know, but it was very, you know, it's funny you say royalty and I think that, I don't even know what the word royalty means, but that, this man was like, oh God, both of them really wonderful, wonderful people. Yeah. And um, yeah. yeah, you can look him up and you see pictures of him with his big admiral's helmet and he, he used to lead all the processions that go through the castle, all the special things and when the queen's there and he's there on horseback. Oh my God! It's amazing. It's a different, yeah, um, different world. It's a completely. It's a whole different world. I would not like to be in it. No. Um, but I touched on it, and and uh, but I was touched by him, you know, and him and his wife. It was, it was incredible. No, I would not like to be, a, any part of, of of that. Even though I guess it's been good for the country, but I, oh, you know, no, thank you. Yeah. Now, <laughs> let, let let me remind folks once again, Annie yeah. Haslam is our very special guest, Frank McKay, here with uh, prog rock royalty, for sure, <laughs> <laughs> from Renaissance. Uh, yeah. Amazing. Since uh, since New Year's Eve, or New Year's Day, rather, New 1971. Day. Yeah. Wow, 1971. Yeah, it's a, it's a tradition, and it's a, at this, it's a... It's a legacy you're going to leave behind 100 years from now. I think people will, will be listening to Renaissance music. In fact, I think you're going to be appreciated greatly long after you're gone, hopefully 100 years from now. But I think yeah. a, a lot of the music has that, has that quality that you could, yeah. uh, you could see it transformed into different, uh, in different styles of music. And I, I think a lot of that is going to happen. Is that important to you? Um, I, you know, it, it's, uh, oh gosh, when I look back, it's, it's, we kind of lost our way at one point. And, and I, I, in the early days, um, when it became, when John and Terry left, um, there was a big change with us. Uh, there was some kind of pressure to come up with something like Northern Lights and, and, and turn into like a commercial band. And, and I wasn't a business person at that time and I kind of followed, um, you know, whatever was t told me, I just kind of followed and didn't, you know, I just wasn't as strong as I am now. I'm a completely different person. Um, but, um, I, you know, I thought that was probably going to be the, the end of the band at that point when we, we did two albums, Camera, Camera and Timeline. And, um, uh, there was some, a few good songs on there, but a lot of them were songs that anybody could sing. The thing is with Renaissance, we were making music that it, really, it was just, it was a unit and, and it was not everybody could do it the same as I, I could. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it's like taking Justin Hayward out of the Moody, Blue, Moody Blues and then, you know, it, it, it wouldn't sound the same because it's a unique voice um, with the with the songs that they, the, that they write, you know. Um, but I, I, yeah, I was concerned then and then um, we we broke up. We, we carried on uh, doing some live shows, but we, we couldn't get a record deal because we, weren't, we were coming up with demos and songs that, you know, they were just weren't 
went right, you know. But we were doing live shows coming over to America because I live in Pennsylvania now. And we come over here, and um, but each time we came over, you know, it was, you know, we had to pay for airfares and hotels, and that, you know, it, it, in the end, it, it wasn't worth it, you know. We couldn't find any. We, we it was just like it, it had its day basically. And then that was 1987, and then, um, and then uh, I got back home when when we did the final tour, and um, I was. Not distraught, but I thought, oh dear, what what am I going to do? You know. Well, listen, keep keep your thought. Keep your thought right there. We're coming up on a break. Do we have Do we have you for a second segment? Yes. We we have the wonderful. I mean, wonderful, Annie Haslam, with us, and you know her work from uh, Renaissance. Uh, She is a uh, the queen of prog rock, and if you don't know who this lady is, uh, you know, Google her. And I'm sure you'll find her music all over the place and buy it. Don't don't illegally download it, but but watch it on online. And it's it, just an unbelievable career that she's had, still going strong. Five octave range uh, coming out of this wonderful lady. Frank McKay here with Annie Haslam from Renaissance. We'll be back right after this. Breaking it down with Frank McKay. This is 1039 LI News Radio. I'd like to welcome everyone back to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here with the uh, Queen of Prog Rock, Annie Haslam. Uh, just has had a wonderful, legendary career, and with Renaissance, uh, which was started by uh, the Yardbirds as they were uh, as they were leaving the Yardbirds, Keith Ralph and Jim McCarty. And it was a bold move for them to do, but still going strong. Uh, Renaissance uh, is uh, Annie Haslam. And uh, we have Annie with us. Annie, how are you? I'm doing great, thank you. Yeah. As we left off right before break, you, you got to 1987, and, and, and you said you weren't distraught, but at the same time, you were you were probably in a transitional mode. And I, what, what did what did you do coming out of that spot you you didn't have a record deal and at the time you needed a record no. you know it was the yeah. timey timey the history in music where you needed one 1987 it was very expensive to do it on your own uh before the do-it-yourself <laughs> era uh it came along but uh w- what happened in 87 uh when when you decided to well, you know i guess split up yeah I, well i was um i thought oh dear what am i going to do you know um it's it's in, throughout my my career, our, our career up until that point, um, uh, it, many other bands um, in our era would be filming all their uh, the shows. You know, most of them. That never happened with us. I have no idea why that did not happen. We didn't film Carnegie Hall. We didn't film the Royal Albert Hall. Um, you know, we've got very 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 few videos of the early band, and that's that's kind of a shame. And or the other thing was that. Um, a lot of bands would uh, be featured. They get they take a singer from a band and feature it with another band, or you know, put other people together. And um, that never happened with me because there was a certain amount of jealousy, unfortunately, in the band that kind of um, uh, stopped us from moving forward, basically. Um, and um, I won't go into that because it's not it's not necessary, but it, it, it's a true fact. And um, uh, I, I feel sad that I, I didn't get to to perform with other 
musicians and things. I did later on when I um, was asked to perform on tribute albums and ended up working with Steve Howe and um, and then on my solo album, which at that point I didn't know I was going to have a solo career because I didn't know what I was going to do, you know. And I was in the shower one day um, thinking about, oh, gosh, what am I going to do here? And um, and all of a sudden a voice in my head said, and I'm sure it was my father, call up. It was very specific. This has happened to me about three, four times in my life. And very specific, this voice it said, call Elizabeth Rush, and she was my the band's agent at the time. Tell her you want to get your own band together and get a solo band together. Mm, wow. So I got out of the shower and I called Elizabeth Rush and we'd only let's see, we'd only been, been there about like maybe a couple of months beforehand and um she said, Yeah, sure. Let me know when you want to come over and I thought, Oh, gulp <laughs> No, I didn't expect I wasn't sure what I was going to expect and so I called Raphael Rudd, who was a, um, an amazing keyboard player that was playing in the band in, in the latter days. And uh, I said, Raph, I need to get a solo band together. Would you be part of it? And can you help me get the band together? Um, and that's what he did. And then I ended up with the, these amazing musicians. Um, had several changes in that lineup as well. But um, it was wonderful. We ended up um, going to Brazil. Um, and um, also, um, I recorded, uh, gosh, six, seven or eight solo albums um, I uh, one other thing that happened going backwards quickly this because this is kind of interesting is um, in 1968 I think it was 69 I, I was trying to because uh, I wanted to be a dress designer as well this is before um, before I was singing um, and I uh, I worked uh, as a, an apprentice for the Savile Row Taylor in fact he was just around the corner from Apple Studios when the Beatles were on the roof um, yeah, yeah. I heard it from a distance. Yeah, but I didn't get. Yeah, um, and then. Did you know what was going on when you heard sorry? that? From, when you heard that from a distance, did you know what was going on? Not really. No, I didn't. I was so wrapped up in my job and everything, you know. And I, I kind of. I, I, not that I dismissed it. It's just that I had nothing. I, I had my job to go to. You know, <laughs> my commitments. And so anyway, and then I got a job um, with this company. Uh, called Winsmore, and I, I was taken on. Um, they said they would give me a, 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 te- a period of time to see whether um, I was good enough for the job as a sketcher. So they took me in and they gave me um, a, a big book to, to draw, and they said, Draw whatever comes to your mind. Well, I came up with all these designs, you know, that I came up with. And then I met the owner of the company, came in, and he said, I really like your style of drawing. I look forward to seeing you when I get back from holiday. He was going away for a week. So, and so anyway, I was really excited because I thought that means that's a good sign, you know. And so anyway, what they did was one day he went on holiday. They took my book into their office for a couple of hours, gave it back to me, and then fired me. Oh man! Said it wasn't good enough and probably stole all my my oh, my design. Wow! I was heartbroken, and I thought, I God, what a terrible business. <laughs> Of course, and then I go into the music business. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> but, but anyway, um, uh, I I called my mom and dad, and I was heartbroken. They they were going to Canada to see my brother Keith, and they said, "Right, I'm going to get you an air ticket. You're going to come with us for a month. Come on holiday with us." And so that's what happened there. And while I was over there in Toronto, we I'd already started singing. Um, at parties and things, and um, I had a boyfriend called Eric Peacock, and he, he kind of, uh, you know, supported me and, and uh, knew that there was something there. <laughs> so I had sung uh, in talent competitions and things. So I get over there, and we go to this place called the Brunswick Tavern in Toronto, and it was talent night, and it was my brother Keith, my mum and dad, 
myself and a couple of his friends and um they were doing this talent competition and my mum and dad said get out and go on and, and I thought oh, I'd had a, like two or three lagers because that's what everybody was drinking right. there these giant yeah. lagers and I was a bit tiddly and I thought oh why not you know and so they gave me a big piece of cardboard and um, I um, they had a backing track I guess because uh, I don't remember a band but it's so long ago and I, and it was Those Were The Days wow. you know Mary Hopkins song yeah and so I loved that song, and but that song actually was um, produced by uh, Tony. I think Tony produced it. Or was it Paul McCartney? No, Paul McCartney produced "Goodbye," didn't he? Because he wrote that one as well. But anyway, um, Tony Visconti was the producer, and, and he married Mary Hopkins. And then years later, I ended up um, trying to get uh, uh, needing a contact for Justin Hayward. Um, for him to give me a song for my Epic Records album, hmm. and that's how I met Tony Visconti. And now he's a friend, and he's produced some of my records as well. Wow. Just, Isn't that amazing? Yeah, it's it, you, I mean, you never like, never know where something is going to no, come. No, it's like yeah, every everything kind of comes together somehow. And, and well, it, let it, me interrupt it, for a second. I'm yeah. going to remind folks once again yeah. who are just joining us late. Annie Haslam, the wonderful Annie Haslam, is our very special guest. She is a uh, vocalist from Renaissance fame and uh, for years, uh, again, it, it, the exact date. Her first uh, first date there was New Year's Day, 1971, and she is the prog rock <laughs> queen. I don't know if everybody calls you that, but I always saw you as that. Frank McKay here with Annie Haslam, uh, five octave range on this lady, and a wonderful artist as well, visual artist and painter. Uh, Annie, uh, getting getting back to that, I mean, it's it's kismet or it's uh, it's serendipitous that uh, that some of these things happen in your career. I mean, what what was early childhood? like for you? I mean, what was the first time you realized you had this kind of voice? Well, I um, I didn't realize that for a very long time, actually. But I remember when I was, I think I was about six years old, and I was in the school choir, and I got thrown out because I sang too loud. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I guess that was an indication, but I wouldn't have known that at six, and I don't think my mum and dad were very happy about that. But they, they I had great parents, uh, fantastic um, I, I, it was like we had a house with a, a two up, two down, and an outside toilet, and it was a row home in, in Bolton in Lancashire, and um, a real working class family. You know, we didn't have much money at all, um, but we were okay. You know, mum and dad made sure that we. we it, it, I, I, it was wonderful. My brother Keith <coughs> was a very talented artist, um, and um, my brother Michael ended up. Uh, being managed by Brian Epstein. He was the main wow. singer in the band. My father was an amateur comedian singer. And he had a wonderful voice. I remember when he used to get ready to go out and do these things in working men's clubs and things, and he was practicing. He'd sing Jezebel and uh, Nature Boy and oh, oh, 16 tons, and what do you get? Yeah. You know, another day older and deeper in there. Yeah, now, all these different songs, but his voice, now I'm older and I, real, I realize now that it's, if only he knew, if somebody had only heard him sing, because my brother Michael had an unusual voice. Michael's voice is a cross between Roy Orbison and Elvis Presley. Mm. Oh, my God. And you can you can uh, go to YouTube and put Annie Haslam and Michael Haslam. It's on my Woman Transcending album, uh, we, because when I had breast cancer, <laughs> so many things that happened to me. Yeah. Uh, but when I had breast cancer and I went over to England um, um, about six months after, I was there visiting my brother Michael and his wife Eileen, and it was pouring with rain. And I wasn't feeling all that good, but I wanted to see them. You know, I'd, I'd had a rough time. And um, 
we both looked at each other and said, well, what, what can we do, you know? And he said, okay, why don't we record something? I said, okay. And uh, he pulled out his bass amp, a microphone, a Sennheiser microphone, no, a Bayer microphone I'd given him, and he brought out a videotape and a recorder, and he recorded, and he had a karaoke tape of somewhere out there. And so uh, we put it on, and uh, the backup track went through it a couple of times, and and recorded it through his bass amp onto a videotape, and and I, that's the only we only ever recorded. There's only one recording that we ever did together, and that was it in his living room when it was pouring with rain outside. <laughs> and it's on my album Woman Transcending, and and you can actually go to YouTube and put Woman Transcending Emmy Haslam, then that will come up, and then you look for that somewhere out there, and you can hear us singing together. Wow. Yeah, I mean, he, and his voice was phenomenal. But he, you know, growing up. Um, he, he he started off when he was a teenager, I guess. I remember him um, going out and singing at the Pally down the road with his this band he had. And, and uh, he was managed by Brian Epstein. And he, he and, well, what happened was there was a uh, there's a newspaper in England. I think it's called the Daily Mirror. I think it was either the Daily Mail or the Daily Mirror, one of those papers. The, the London Daily uh, Telegram. No? no, not Telegraph. That was that was a bit more more intelligent than that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it was one of the smaller right, right. Um, uh, people's papers, if you if you know what I mean. Yeah. And um, there was a guy called Godfrey Wynne who had a column like, "Dear Godfrey, I've got a problem with this." Very very well known man, and um, he was friendly with Brian Epstein. But anyway, it, it, my, Michael was singing in a pub in Bolton, which is where we came from. And this woman, who was a housewife, was so impressed by him that she wrote to Godfrey Wynne. And she said, you must come up, you must come up and hear him. It's not, of course, it's not like she could send him a tape or anything. And, but you must come up and see this man sing because there's nothing like it. And so Godfrey went to Brian Epstein up to Bolton to see Michael and find him on the spot. Wow. What, what, yeah. was, what was Michael's uh, relationship like with Brian? Was it a good oh, one? Oh, it, it, was, it, was it, it was very nice. Uh, you know, he, he, everybody loved Brian. I never met him, but I mean, every, everybody seemed to love him. He was supposed to be a really wonderful man. And um, was he still? I, I was, was, very, Mike, was Michael still with Brian when he took his own life? No, he wasn't. Um, what happened? Michael was with Brian maybe for a couple of years. Um, the thing is, uh, Michael got was on the two of the well, all the Christmas shows the Beatles did like two or three. Michael was on that bill with them. It was amazing. Mm -hmm. he, that was fantastic for him. And he did a tour with them that went down to Plymouth. And because I went. I went to see that with uh, my mom and dad, and um, Michael came back at the stage door and said, why don't you come in and meet the lads, you know? And I said, oh, no, I can't. I'm too shy, you know? And uh, my dad said, well, I'll stay outside with you. So my mom went in and met the Beatles. Yeah. <laughs> so, you, so you met them? I didn't meet them. My oh, mom did. Wow. And, but but and, I met Paul and I met Ringo later on. Yeah, yeah. definitely. I met them. And, and uh, yeah, my Paul McCartney story is. Um, well, listen, you know, before you share that, I'm going to remind people once again Annie Haslam is yeah. our very special guest, wonderful vocalist for many years with Renaissance, uh, the queen of prog rock. Annie Haslam, Frank McKay here with Annie. Uh, go ahead, Paul McCartney. Yeah, well, uh, well, the band is still going. I think you know that. Yeah. Don't you? But, yeah um, the when I, I I got a record deal, my first record deal was with Epic. Um, no, beg your pardon. Hang on. I was my first solo was with uh, Warner Sire Records, and my um, my my um, fiance at the time was uh, Roy Wood. Uh, you know Roy Wood from the Move and Yellow, yeah. and yeah, he produced that album for me, and we were recording it in Delaney Studios in Wembley in England. 
and um, Paul McCartney was in the big studio with Denny Lane and, and Linda was there, and they were mixing wings at the speed of sound. And um, uh, I, I remember thinking, oh my God, Paul McCartney's here, blah, 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 blah. And um, we, were, we were just finishing off my vocals. I just finished my vocals on If I Loved You, which was one of the songs on, my, on Annie in Wonderland. And Paul McCartney walks into the studio and said, Who is, who's is that voice? And I kind of went, me. <laughs> wow. And he said, he said, that just sent shivers down my spine. Because he, he heard me, it's a corridor from the studio one to studio two and then three. And we were in three. And he heard me at the other end and just followed my voice down as we were playing it back. Oh, amazing. And he came in and uh, he came in and, and sat down and talked to us and talked to me for about an hour. And it was like incredible. And the guy's got a lot of charisma. Something very special about you know his uh, his energy. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, I'm surprised he didn't do better in life. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, shame, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Annie Haslam, once again, <laughs> uh, will be starting a uh, a tour, a North American tour, right? And correct me if I'm wrong with Renaissance. Yes. Once again, mm -hmm. still going strong. Just. Uh, just, just an amazing career. Not only the the band, but uh, the singer in the band. Uh, all of all of the side work you've done, and all of the different uh, projects that you've done. Steve Howe, as you mentioned, yeah. and uh, he's he's coming out strong again. He's uh, he he always seems to be. But Frank McKay here with Annie Haslam. We got a couple moments left. Uh, Paul McCartney. I mean, that's uh, that's got to be an amazing feeling. What about Steve Howe? Uh, how long do you go back with him? Uh, um, well, um, first met him when I was on some kind of charity album uh, in the oh gosh, what, early seventies, and he was um, he was on this album, and I wasn't. That's the first time I met him. And then the next time was when I was asked by Magna Carta Records if I would uh, if I would be interested in being on a, a tribute album, a Yes tribute album um, called. What was it called? Uh, um, I can't remember. Well, what, whatever. <laughs> anyway, I, I was asked if I would sing Turn of the Century and would I do it with Steve Howe? And I said, oh my God, yes, please. And so we did that together. That was incredible. Oh my God. Um, and then after that, um, I put on a show in in, uh, in London called, in, sorry, in London, in New York called uh, Lily's in the Field, a benefit show um, for authors in Bosnia. And, and I put it together with 20th Century Guitar Magazine, and I invited Steve and Justin and Phoebe Snow, and, and the, it was a whole big extravaganza. And then after Steve did that, we'd written, we wrote a song for uh, called Lilies in the Field together, and then after that, we decided that we were going to write an album together. So I went over to England and stayed. At, he's got this uh, beautiful place in, in Devon with a studio, and we worked on some new songs together. And while I was there, uh, he got a phone call from John Anderson it was and it was to get the band back together again and I thought uh oh I don't this is going to cause a problem with our and we never we never finished anything we didn't do it wow. we didn't do it because he was so busy with yes it, you know it took him completely away from uh, our project but um, yeah it's, you know I always go to as many yes shows as I can and you know John Wetton of course is a very close friend of mine and uh, as well um, who we just lost recently yeah. Um and uh, yeah, Steve Hackett. Um, I haven't recorded anything with him, but we we toured with them in 2010 and had a wonderful time. Um, <clears throat> very fortunate. And now we've got this fall tour coming up. Um, we're going to be you know, doing this with a ten-piece orchestra, ten-piece chamber orchestra. And uh, two of the shows. One of them is the New um, New York Town Hall, and on the 28th of October and 27th is the Keswick. 
in the Philadelphia show, and it's, um, that's going to be filmed. And, um, yeah, so that's really exciting. We have a, an Indiegogo project uh, going on right now, if anybody's interested to have a look tell, at it. Tell us about that. Yeah, yeah tell, give us the yeah. address. Well, the... you know, things like um, we, we, we have been invited to play with the RPO again uh, in England, but we decided that um, we wanted to try it out over here first with a smaller orchestra. But, of course, these kind of things cost a lot of money. And so um, we, we, we're reaching out to our fans uh, with them, some amazing pledges um, and it's an Indiegogo it's on our website the information and on our Facebook pages um, and um, it's going to be with a 10-piece orchestra four shows with a 10-piece orchestra chamber orchestra and we just uh, we just finished off the, the set list that we're going to do and oh god it's going to be amazing I'm so excited yeah well, I think yeah. So, so are uh, so many prog rock fans and rock fans and fans of your voice, I mean, it's it's just been a, an incredible career and still going strong. Frank yep. McKay here with Annie Haslam. Uh, we're just about out of time. Give us a website right. or a social media site that you can uh, people can kind of follow along with what you're doing. Yeah, well, the, the Renaissance Facebook page is renaissancetouring.com. Sorry, that's the website, renaissancetouring.com. They can sign up for updates and everything. And the Facebook page is facebook.com slash um, or slash Renaissance Touring. My website, uh, my new website is uh, anniehaslam.com and I just got <coughs> putting all my new artwork up there, my paintings. And I love to do commissions, so that's another thing that uh, might be interested, uh, interesting for some people. And my Facebook page is Annie Haslam Art. And, um, yeah, uh, I hope that's... Um, wh where are you located? Well, I'm on Long Island, which is... Uh, oh, you're on Long Island. Yeah. Okay, wonderful. Yep. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, listen, it's uh, just a, a pleasure to speak to you, and I think we started off by me congratulating you on everything that you've been doing. <laughs> no, so, there's a lot to talk about, isn't there? We need a part two one of these days, and a part three as the tour uh, goes on. If you're doing uh, interviews uh, on tour, I would love to get you there as well. But Annie Haslam uh, from Renaissance and, and much, much more uh, has been our very special guest. Annie, thank you very much. Oh, well, thank you so much, Frank, and uh, thank you everybody else for listening to this. It's, it was a wonderful. Thank and I you. And want to thank everyone else for tuning in. Frank McKay speaking to the great Annie Haslam, uh, wonderful vocalist, performer, artist, uh, in every sense of the word, from Renaissance. We'll see you next time on Breaking It Down. This is Frank McKay.